Blackwater, the Wagner Group, Executive Outcomes, the Flying Tigers, the Swiss Guard, the White Company, the Knights Templar, the Varangian Guard, Clercus of Sparta, Pythagoras the Spartan, Mentor of Rhodes, Socrates of Achaea. The list is endless. Mercenaries, Guns for Hire, Soldiers of Fortune, Private Military Companies, Private Security Contractors, Dirty Deeds, <laughs> Not So Dirt Cheap. History is replete with privatized militaries. Call them what you want. They have been around for a very long time, and they are very likely not going away anytime soon. So you better get used to it, grow up, and accept it, or move to another planet. Because these days, in this world, folks, money trumps everything. And like it or not, wars are good, very good, for business. Furthermore, history tells us that more people are enslaved and killed by such means as greed, corruption, oppression, and tyranny than by any other means. Money, profits, and propaganda. Call it psychological operations or call it psychological conditioning. You are being gaslit. So choose the red pill. Remove your blinders, all of them, and take a good sensory inventory of what you're being told and shown to believe. Because here we go. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Aconis, The Contractor's Life. Talking from the relatively insulated and bucolic rural foothills of northwestern Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Life as a private security contractor in a hostile or a war-torn zone, or as some call it, an austere or a non-permissive environment. Well, it is a mixed bag of blessings. Some good and some not so good. All in all, though, private security contract is much the same as life. It is what you make it. In the MENA region, or the Middle East, North Africa region, lands of enchantment, lands of mystery, lands of the old ones, and the ancient ones. Myths, legends, folklore, maybe. If you believe what you read in the ancient and the holy texts, then you know that it all centered around what we refer to as the MENA region. That's right, the Mediterranean. And you probably also know that to every legend or myth, there is a base of at least some truth. Alright then, so in this episode, I'm going to digress slightly, well, maybe arguably quite a bit. Um, this is a special episode, a, uh, I think uh, podcasts frequently refer to this as a bonus feature or track or whatever. Um, and to some extent it is. It's a lengthy one. Um, I've done this before, I think in season one, with a fellow by the name of Rob Crott, who may be um, a, a contributor to this again, and other stuff that we're looking at doing 
uh, not too far down the road from here. But with that said, folks, I want to uh, transition into a recording that I did with two guys that I know, um, Ken Gucci of Wienerfied.com and Dave Maestas of Discover Maestro. Uh, the three of us came together, three different states, um, and did this audio recording. And without any further delay, I'm going to present it. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Howdy, everybody. This is Scott Rust with Oconus to Contractor's Life. I'm here with my friends David Maestas and Ken Gucci. I will let them introduce themselves, everybody. <laughs> right on. So, the, yeah, this is Dave Maestas, uh, retired Army Special Forces entrepreneur. Um, and I'll give it up to Ken. Hey, Ken Gucci here, uh, wienerfight.com, uh, also an Army guy. It's awesome being able to talk with uh, fellow veterans here that actually have some real world experience. But yeah, I'm just a podcast guy, small business owner, same thing, entrepreneur, construction industry, and a couple of other online businesses. And uh, let's do it. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah. Uh, no time for fooling around, especially these days, right? Uh, we were just talking about that, you know, um, being unfiltered, you know, let's not mess around. Let's just cut to the chase. You know, uh, I mean, in business, I understand sometimes, especially depending on the culture, um, sometimes you got to like it, it's a I, I hear this to this day in the Asian culture. They still like to and I'm not sure what the right word is, but they like to ease in to the business, whereas people like me, I like to cut to the chase. If we're doing business, just give me the facts, man. Just give me the facts, you know, and I complain about that all the time when I see resumes and bios. It's like, look, dude can you make this one page two at the most? <laughs> so yeah, I'm right with you. Well, yeah. and I'll tell you, that's an interesting point in my industry in construction. Um, it, it, that's actually one of the biggest challenges is dealing with people, especially like subcontractors and stuff like that, who have no sense of urgency. They want to mm. take their time. They want to do this. They want to do that. And it's like, man, I'm not paying you to, you know, I mean, it's like, hurry up and, and get this stuff done. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's very frustrating on my end. That's why I'm really trying to get away from all of that kind of stuff. I'm too old to be, you know, swinging hammers and shit. Um, I, I basically have sold my construction company. I've, I've, I've got one trailer left. Um, but, you know, moving here to Oklahoma, that's the reason that I did that was to kind of get away from the hustle and bustle, get away from mass population areas. Hmm. and kind of try to get a little bit more into you know retirement mode really i mean i'm just doing little small stuff now i'm not even i don't build houses anymore i, I just don't have the the patience hmm. for it you know what i mean so i'm really trying to get off on some stuff that has nothing to do with you know <laughs> that yeah i mean well, and you this know, is why you mentioned houses because uh my wife likes to watch all those home improvement shows that are on tv all those reality things some of them are pretty good, you know, but uh, it, it brought home the point. And I've read so much of this now from realtors and you're starting to hear and see bankers and other people talk about it. But they were talking about a remodel that they were doing. It was one hundred and sixty thousand dollars and they did it in 30 days. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking and I looked at the transition. I thought, OK, but that's one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. And then you look well, at the price stuff of houses. Stuff is expensive now. Oh, yeah. I understand that. I mean, 
<laughs> that's why I'm clinging on to the vehicle I have now. I don't want to go out and spend 30, 40 grand on a used vehicle. I'm certainly not going to drop mm -hmm. 90 on a new one. <laughs> you know? No, no. Uh, yeah. And sorry, Biden, I am not buying an EV. Never will. <laughs> Just saying. <that>. Right. <laughs> yeah. no. You know, I like electricity, you know, but not that much. Anyway, but I digressed. <laughs> I, I, but that, that just, yeah, the cost and the price of everything. Uh, but, you know, when you get right down to business, I mean, I want to retire, um, but I don't know that I ever will. Uh, you know, the wife likes to bling, right? And uh, constant refrain is happy wife, happy life. So <laughs> at least in my household. Right. So, um, and, uh, you know, I'm part of a, um, I, I'm pushing this thing because uh, I'm part of a group and, and I, on a uh, social network in a, one of those, uh, uh, was it uh, the applications that are encrypted? There we go. And uh, it's a security group and it's growing and, and we invite people one thing, another, and I, cause just before this started though, I was thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind retiring, slowing down a little bit, but there is a lot of work out there. And, um, and, and I'm looking at them just, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, because there's a lot of talk and a lot of resistance and I've noticed it firsthand, uh, when it comes to veterans. So whether it's Dave or you or me or somebody else, Almost always, whenever that security company finds out that you're a veteran with a combat arms MOS and or you deployed downrange, whether it was a contractor or in the military or both, when they start seeing all that stuff, they don't want to hire you. And on that rare occasion they do, you're getting paid peanuts. Really? Um, yeah, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's they really don't want to hire veterans? For the most part. I mean, they, a lot of them advertise that they do. And a lot of them, you know, put on that big show and display. So, you know, I'm now outside the security companies. It's probably a little bit different. I'm just saying that we have noticed, I have noticed, and I noticed that firsthand earlier this century, which is one of the reasons I kept going back overseas. It's like, really, guys, I just want a job, man. You know, when I come home for 30 or 60 or 90 days. But uh, yeah, no. So I've been pushing real hard. Uh, and I'm going to restart this again here in the state of Washington uh, with with uh, local political types all the way up to the state level and push it nationally, you know, for for some of these changes. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely atrocious. And, and tell me if you guys think I'm, I'm if I'm wrong on this. But one of the things of the many things I'm trying to change is like, look, and I've talked with cops about this and, and some to most of them were actually OK with it. I said, look, you guys have a special exemption that if you reach a certain tenure point and you retire, quit from the law enforcement agency you're with, you can carry nationally and sometimes even outside CONUS. You can sometimes go O-CONUS, but you can certainly carry CONUS, whether you're on an airplane, a bus, whether you're working or not, concealed or open, it doesn't matter. I said, why does it not make sense to allow the veterans to do the same thing? Now, I'm not talking every veteran because obviously there's some veterans that, you know, but I'm saying qualified, bona fide veterans that have a combat arms MOS whose GD-214 clearly shows that they have the requisite instruction and training, and especially if they have some downrange time, where clearly 
a certain percentage of us are clearly at least as equally qualified to carry, whether we're working or not, without all this interstate rivalry reciprocity crap. Okay, so you guys think I'm I'm wrong on that, or do you think I'm on to something? I'm hot, I'm, I'm hot about it, man. I mean, I really am. I think that, you know, our Constitution says that you've got the right to bear arms. And so whether you're even yeah, a veteran exactly. or not, um, that's what the Constitution says. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, everything else that's being done is being done to, you know, make money. It's, you know, sure, they could say it's to protect some people and things like that. But I mean, really, we all know if somebody wants to do bad things, they're going to do bad things. You know, they don't yeah. need a gun to do it. Um, so I, I think that every person should be allowed to. Now, I do believe that, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, people should have to get some sort of firearms training, you know, N- know how to put that weapon on safe, <laughs> you know, keep your finger off the trigger, you know, certain yeah. things like that, you know, they, maybe they should, you know, get trained on that. But the second amendment says, you know, uh, that right shall not be infringed. And that's what I believe it, uh, it should be. No, well, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I've even gone so far and call me crazy, but I've even gone so far as to argue with people in person when we're talking about it. And usually they they come around at some point, at least not raging against me. I say, look, there was a time and I remember it. You guys might remember it. There was a time in America where if you went to jail, it didn't matter if you went there for a misdemeanor or a felony. But when you were discharged from prison, when you served your time, all rights and privileges were restored. Okay. Now they've got all kinds of limitations in one thing or another. And I'm like, well, okay, if you're that concerned that that person is going to go out and reoffend, then don't let them out. Or if they do it again, well, come down really hard. And this time, dude, you're in jail for life. Okay. But yeah, I'm just you saying, remember all rights and privileges restored because they're a walking target. Now, I'm not a liberal by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying by the Constitution and by the constructs, of America and our values to it is like all rights and privileges restored. If you don't, if they're, if they're that bad, keep them in jail. Don't let them out. But if they, if you do let them out and they reoffend, yeah, uh, this time schwack them. Okay. No second chances. You had your second chance. That's it. You're done. No three strikes Two. that's it. You're done. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying, but, but yeah, and this comes up all the time, licensing and, and all the things you used to complain about this, Ken, uh, all the licensing and, 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 and the, the permits and all the stuff you have to do with every job. Well, in security, it's not much different. It's not as bad, but we still have to go and every state has it. So I'm just saying that while I agree with David, we shouldn't have to get licensed in every state. We shouldn't have to get permitted in every state. You know, if I've got a registered licensed business in my state, that should be good enough for the other 49 states. All they have to do well, is, let me is ask tap in and say, let Washington, is he registered and licensed? Okay, he's good to go. And he's a veteran? All right, no problem. Here, here's, here's the thing. It's kind of like the Second Amendment gives us the right to carry. I don't care what state I'm in. If I'm in California, I still, I still conceal carry. Yes, I'm willing to take the risk of being caught and yes. all that. I'm not going to put myself or my family in jeopardy, I'm going to have my sidearm on me at all times. I don't care where <laughs> I'm at. I don't need a state law to tell me that I can or can't carry. And here's kind of the, the, the thing that comes down to the business aspect as well. I don't need the government's permission to do my job. 
I don't need the government's permission. I've, I've actually built houses, like huge houses, without even getting a permit, without having any inspections. And at the end of it, I still went to the county and got my, my certificate of occupancy because at the end, I, I just I, I hired private inspectors to come in and engineers to actually write letters and say, yeah, this foundation is right and stuff like that, right? I bypassed the government process and I just used local other small businesses to, to build houses. I don't need, and I'll tell you, you know, this is an interesting topic because the whole point of registering your business is for taxation, right? That's the reason why you have to register businesses in every state. That's the reason why you got to do this and do that. I am vehemently opposed to taxation. I can tell both of you, the FBI can come and arrest me right now because I will never pay taxes ever again. We all know the IRS is hiring 87,000 more agents, right? Um, I will never pay. Every business that I have now, with the exception of my online stuff, is a cash basis only. Hmm. I, I, I will never hire another employee. I will never, I will never pay taxes other than sales tax and property tax. Those are the only two taxes that I will ever pay ever again. Hmm. The government is not going to tell me how to do my business. It's not going to tell me where I can do my business. Uh, this is one of those American freedoms that people have, have really let go of. I do not need the government's permission to make money and I will never ask for their permission ever again. My, my, my last setup in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, it's harder to get a contractor's license in Georgia than it is in California. Really? And yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, between the okay. testing and between the, the bonding and all that kind of stuff, it's crazy. Uh, wow. I mean, Dave, that's actually the reason why I didn't move to Florida is because Florida their, their process for getting a contractor's license there, they have two different systems. You've got local contractors and then you've got statewide contractors and each one of them require a different level of licensing. And it's like, look, man, I'm not going to play that game. Oklahoma. And there's a lot of States like this, Oklahoma, Colorado, Texas, there's no such thing as a general contractor's license in Oklahoma. Hmm. Anybody can build a house here. You don't need the only the only trades in Oklahoma that require a license is your plumbers, your electrical and your HVAC guys. But okay. anybody else? Yeah, there's not even a requirement here for security uh, uh, contractors licensing. Yeah, they, they've got and, there's other states that do something similar. But yeah. Well, that's how it should be. Right. We right. should be free enough. The government shouldn't be sitting there trying to tell us how we can work and what kind of business we can own. Here's the thing that I want everybody to think about. And I know that all both of you guys can definitely relate to this. Our country's in a lot of trouble right now, right? I mean, obviously the woke nation and the liberalism, but one of the things that's put us into this type of trouble is that we have, aside from the fact that only 3% of our population serves in the military, right? So 97% of the population reaps the rewards of what that 3% has sacrificed. Right. But on top of that, we have lost our entrepreneurialism, right? I mean, literally, they don't teach you in school how to start businesses. They teach you that you're supposed to go work a nine to five, right? And that you're supposed to work for somebody else your whole life. And anytime a society loses that entrepreneurial drive, that basically means that society is done because <laughs> they're no longer self-reliant. They, they, they're dependent on other people to determine their their work 
right? No, I'm and, not. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I have. I want to get Dave's take on it first, but because I have a little bit more to say about the licensing and permitting, because I'm not completely opposed to it, but I'm a, more of a one and done, just one and done. And then, you know, kind of like we did. And Dave, I don't know if you, you might remember, but back in the nineties, it started out in the early nineties. I forget the fellow's name. He's a local activist, but he pushed for the car licensing and tab registration stuff. One and done. <laughs> we pay it once we're done. Not this annual renewal crap that we got to do all the time, right? Uh, which is, you know, and and they passed it. It took it took some doing, but they passed it. And then we got liberal governors in, and they repealed it. And we have, they've tried to get it back. They almost got it back a couple of times, but you know. So what you're saying about and and Dave about you know all this stuff is is pay to play it's it's money it's free money for the for the state for the government the feds whoever no i agree 100% but um uh, dave what's what's your take on on uh on that topic about taxation and entrepreneurial stuff yeah i think we're way overtaxed you know and i mean there's so many different things that um that they'll that you're having to pay tax so many things you have got to pay attention to that it's almost like you've got to hire somebody in order to to track it all you know and even then i mean i've hired people to track all my stuff and they mess it up all the time and so i'm just like it's so it's so frustrating the way the laws are and the way taxes are and everything because it's just like it's it's almost like a thing where they're gonna be like sooner or later oh i got you on this you know because you didn't do this you're like i had no idea that wasn't done i had no idea that you know i had to do it whatever it's almost like a gotcha thing right. um yep. i think so i think it's just super ridiculous how the, the taxes laws are these days and it's just it's so difficult to keep up with i'm just uh it's a, it's one of the it's the most frustrating thing in my businesses alone i'll bet you know and i'm yep. fortunate in that regard because my wife took over the bookkeeping and the accounting decades ago um, in fact, I won't go into detail, but we hadn't been dating that long when it became pretty clear that I wasn't cut out to keep the, the checkbook in line. So, but I'm just, but I'm, I'm just saying I'm fortunate. And, and she, I mean, she's always been pretty good at that stuff. She's always done it for as long as I can remember, but she really became proficient in my time as a contractor overseas <clears throat> because she had to. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, the, all the changes that she has to stay up to date with, but what you're talking about people screwing sh shit up. I mean, that's why for all those reasons that Ken and you and I are aware of, I went away from W2. I don't do W2 employees. I haven't done that in at least a year. It's probably been closer yeah. to two, but certainly in the last 12 yeah. months, everything is W9. Not only is it yeah. simpler and easier and more straightforward, but typically, I find that the people that I hire on W-9, when I do hire them, have a lot more at stake. They have a lot more in the game, and they typically are professionals <clears throat> and won't whine and gripe and complain about what they're doing because they're big boys and big girls because they're in business for themselves. And typically, people that bootstrap their own businesses and are in business for themselves tend to not whine and cry and complain about those little things. They just they want to get out there and work and make the money. So, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, as far as taxes, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we see the memes every day at all the social media platforms about taxes. Uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. And Ken, you, you know the history on it. Uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, when 
I forget when the first, but there was a time when there was really no taxes here in America. It really didn't become a thing until somewhere between well, World yeah. War One and World War Two, right? Well, yeah, during the Civil War, they actually levied both the North and the South actually leveled le levied an income tax to pay for the war. But the 16th Amendment, you know, Woodrow Wilson created he basically created the 16th Amendment uh, in 1913 and then Congress ratified it in 1914. So the 16th Amendment was really the beginning of the end because, you know, that is obviously the taxation clause where the government can tax you for any reason. And most people don't understand this, but, you know, things think like you were talking about, like, like having to register your, your car every year. The reason they're able to get away with that is because they 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 pass those laws under the Taxation Act. Hmm. Right. And, and, and that's actually the same thing with Obamacare, same thing with Social Security, same thing with even workers comp insurance and, and unemployment insurance. You know, anytime you have an insurance that's mandatory then that's no longer an insurance. It is a tax. And Basically. the way they get, a, yeah, it, it, well, it is. I mean, it, they're, they're calling it like SSI, right? Social security insurance. But if it's a mandatory thing, that means that it's been passed under the taxation clause of the 16th Amendment. Hmm. And, you know, say whatever you want to say about it. Technically, America has been quasi-socialist before any other socialist country out there. Um. That is that is quasi socialism when you are forcing the mass population to pay for any type of government whatsoever, right? Like before World War II, we didn't have an active duty military, right? Everybody was on a reserve hmm. basis, and then you know it, most people don't know this, but FDR, when he did his original New Deal, he created active duty military specifically to give lower income people government jobs where they could actually do 20 or 30 years and retire and, and walk away from it. And he was able to do that under the 16th Amendment taxation clause. Uh, you know, and obviously people like Eisenhower warned about the, you know, that we would have to have wars to justify the military industrial <laughs> complex and all that kind of stuff. Well, and he, you know, I mean, he was absolutely right. But then what did Eisenhower do? He got us into Korea, right? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the pot calling the kettle black, right? And then we know Vietnam and all the rest of the but, but, but that's the history of the taxation process that, you know, it, it was basically, it was in combination with World War I. That's why, that's why Woodrow Wilson got Congress to ratify it, is because he claimed that we needed that to pay for World War I before World War I even started. Hmm. And then obviously, you know, we, we, you know, the Russian Revolution happened, the Bolsheviks and all that kind of stuff. And it just, we, we got put, Woodrow Wilson basically convinced america that we were in so much danger uh from the soviet union and people like that they they kept the 16th amendment in place and they made they made it a permanent fixture and ever Here since then it's today. just been a growing monster <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> I, I don't mean i don't mean to take up too much time here i, I, I it's all good but then. i want to get back to well i want to get back to the to the licensing thing yeah. And, you know, part of that is for taxation, but there's there's a hidden agenda in there. And that's for the government to keep track of people, because the, the truth is, is that the small businesses are we are the government's enemy because we are those self-reliant ones who don't have to rely on them. The government hates small businesses. Hmm. Right. This is this is all part of a socialist platform. And here again, going back to Woodrow Wilson with 
the League of Nations and, you know, the, the, the creating of the Federal Reserve and all this kind of stuff, it, it all plays into this. Hmm. Um, when you have, see, the government tries to hide. They, they say that people should have licensed businesses to protect the consumer, right? So that if something happens that the government can hold those businesses accountable. But here's the thing, in today's, in today's world with the technology that we have, one bad Google review can ruin your entire company. <laughs> so we don't need the big, we don't need big brother out there protecting the consumers anymore because we have the technology for consumers. First of all, it's not the government's responsibility to be holding people's hands like that. But second of all, with the technology that we have, if, if a consumer wants to hire a contractor, all he's got to do is go online and say, man, I, this dude's got good reviews or not. There's no licensing process is going to prevent a business from doing something bad. If that situation arises. Right. I mean, that's, I've seen, that's, that's I've interesting. seen, yeah, um, I'm curious what Dave thinks about that on, on that. What, what Ken was just saying, uh, what do you think on that? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. I mean, it would be so easy um, that you leave some bad reviews on Google and Yelp and that business is going to be hurting. You know, they'll, they'll have a hard time, especially if they're in a small community, too. Even a big community like your Washington State in the Puget Sound area, you know, um, people know each other, you know, and, and you're going to lose business um, if you're doing bad work and, and not doing the right thing. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, um, you know, I was especially interested uh, because technology and, and the stuff around, I mean, not that you're an IT guy, but I mean, but you're very much in that space and the review stuff and, and what people write and post and publish and um, the uh, integrity that a business has uh, based on. And I think we all know, too, that sometimes uh, reviews can not be. They can be less than honest, but I, I think mo would you would you guys agree that certainly a, a a fair share of people can read between the lines and say, well, they're just pissed off because they didn't get what they wanted versus, yeah, that was really crummy service. Well, the the key will be uh, in a negative re review. What is the response by the business owner? No mm -hmm. response just means uh, generally they don't care um, or they're too embarrassed to, to even answer. So if a business owner was to respond to those bad reviews, that can fix some things. Uh, but overall, uh, your reputation will get out if you're really doing, you know, shoddy work. Okay. Yep. Well, but yep. conversely, it, well, that's, that's if you're doing exactly good right. stuff, yep. would also do the same thing. Say that one more time. So if, if, if you're doing shoddy work or you're less than professional or you deliver less than what you promised, that gets out. But if you if you live up to your word and or exceed expectations, that also does the same thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, people so, know. So would you agree with Ken's yeah. assertion that that all this licensing stuff with technology the way it is, uh, there could be a, a legitimate argument that we don't need licensing boards anymore? Yeah, absolutely. I th I think that um, you know you got uh, if you're a doctor, you've got to go to you know, uh, to school to be a doctor, you know, you're going to have that degree. You're going to know if they're a doctor, you know what I mean? Right. All the, all the additional credentials and things like that are just, yeah, way far and above. And I mean, um, if you think, just think about like the real estate industry, you go, you got to get real estate training. 
then you've got to go get your real estate license and then you've got to play the realtor mafia you know and and the um the MLS people and you know everybody else that's out there by the time you're you're actually getting going you're so in debt you know just getting going for real estate it's crazy i mean it's yeah, just yeah, my, it's my, my wife is a realtor trust me yeah 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 you know, okay. there's just way too many things i mean that um that are required that are stopping people from getting ahead and it's only enriching other people. Yep. Yep. And that's my point is when you have a rigged system like that, where somebody else is choosing what you can and can't do, that is not freedom. And, and, and that is not the America that I'm willing to live in here. Again, I don't need the government's permission. Um, you know, for many years, my wife, because my system was pretty simple. I mean, I built the houses, she sold the houses. And for many years, she didn't need a realtor's license because she was actually considered as a direct employee of mine. You don't need, to, you don't need a license if you're selling for builders. Hmm. But then we got this crazy idea. Dave is 100% correct. When she went and took all of her classes and did all that, I mean, it, it cost us like $2,500 for her to get licensed in the state of Georgia. And it's like, she wasn't doing anything else other than what she had already been doing for many years. Mm. You know, it's like, man, it, it's just, it's crazy. But that's my point. We've gotten to a system here again, a nanny state system where the government thinks that they have the authority to tell everybody what they can and can't do. And we've got to start getting away from that mentality, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're turning into Europe real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, would you, would you guys then say that, much of that of what we're talking about and other things is driven by uh, either the acquiescence or the pushback from we, the people. So if, if, if a governor or a mayor or president decrees some new edict, if there's not a lot of pushback, they're going to think, Oh, okay, well, I did a good thing. Um, well, it, it, is, it is the people's fault for letting this happen in the first place. And here's why. Politicians, how do you measure a politician's success? He's going to measure his success by how many laws he passed, how many things he got passed, you know, to which basically restrict our lives. You know, I've got this law passed and that law. You know what? Get rid of all these laws. Stop doing that because that's what's stopping us from progressing is because everybody wants to uh, make the name to themselves and say, hey, I passed this law. And it's like, Man, you're you're hindering everybody's lives little by little. You know that's a good point. Uh, who was it? Trump, and and when he said, "For every new law, we're going to take, we're going to strike two. Um, which I that's was how awesome. it should be. Well, because I've I've said for years that look, man, we got enough laws on the books. We don't need a new law for this. We don't need a new law for that. Whether it's violence, okay, or anything else. The laws are already there on the books. You just need to enforce them or enact them. Now, once in a while, they might need to be modified a little bit, but you don't need new laws. No, I would agree with Dave. I think that, yeah, I think that's 100%. Well, you know, the perfect example is uh, gun laws. Do we need more gun laws or do we just no. need to tell people, stop killing people or you're going to jail for the rest of your life? Or you're getting, right. you yeah. know, axed, you know, for uh, for committing that uh, murder, you know? Uh, right. You don't need more gun laws. You just need to enforce the ones that we already have that go back from the beginning of time with the Bible. You know, thou yep, shalt yeah. not kill yep. your neighbor, whatever. So, yep, eye for an eye. Yep. No, I, I, that, you know, I'm in complete agreement with that. We don't need any more laws, but um, 
I had forgotten though when you, shall you not kill, that, I should say. Right, thou shalt right. not kill. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, the neighbor thing is do thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but uh no, yeah, I'm I'm in absolute agreement that there we don't need any more laws. Uh, but you're right. That I think that is how a lot of politicians make their names and they stump on that. And and um I'm like a lot of people on TV where um, I've got nothing good to say about Brandon. I've got nothing to say about the good to say about the Brandon administration. It's been an epic fail since the day he took office. Um, and, and I, and, and he's constantly touting in a state of denial, all these things that he's done. And it's like, everything he's done is exactly what you mentioned earlier, Dave, you're hindering yep. and making things more, more expensive. You're making it more difficult to, get the acquisition that of uh, whatever it is we're trying to acquire um you know go back to uh i think it was milton friedman was on a uh, a show that i watched the other day and he had a bunch of his peers around him and they were like <gasps> they were aghast because of the stuff he was talking about but he was absolutely right anybody that remembers that period of time in the 80s uh were that free market free enterprise man it worked like a charm and and there and there were a lot of people that now wanted to be their own boss and get into small business. And I think we saw that slow down in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> I, I blame it squarely on the grunge movement, but <laughs> tongue in cheek there, but, uh, but no, we have seen a return to, Hey man, uh, don't knock Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I'm not, I still, but, um, no, but no, we have, we, we absolutely have, gone to a totally different system um we're back to that gray man thing um here in america I, yeah and, and speaking of which you guys have seen and, and i read it again last night or maybe earlier this morning that what trudeau's done in canada with the guns no importation no sale no transfer no nothing of firearms in canada so you not only can't import them, you can't export them, you can't trade them, you can't sell them, you can't buy them. So, oh, man. Now, they went from full-on socialism to full-on fascism. Okay, I mean, what you were warning people about in Canada during that trucker movement, I mean, they have now, I mean, they've got a complete stranglehold on Canadian citizens. Well you, you see how everything that I said in that video has actually happened, right? Yep. <laughs> Literally everything that I said. And here's the thing. My mom is Canadian. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, like back in the early 80s and stuff, my grandparents that lived up in Calgary, we used to go across. I, I spent many months of my life in Canada. And we literally used to buy guns in Washington or Montana, and we would just drive it right across the border, literally <laughs> right up to Calgary. You know, I mean, my grandpa was a huge gun advocate and Canada gave up their freedom about 50 years ago when they started going for fully socialized medicine. There's a price to pay when you have those types of policies and people don't understand how quickly their freedoms can be eroded when the government is telling here again, Canada, their, their number one biggest issue is that they went completely unionized, right? Every job in Canada became a union job. Most people don't understand unionized labor. It's actually a mafia tactic, right? It was, it, it was brought to America in the 1920s. Prohibition, right? The Teamsters, that was the very first union 
to this day, it's literally led by Jimmy Hoffa Jr., right? <laughs> he is the teamster boss. And people never put two and two together that unionized labor is that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. And that's what happened to Canada. Canada became 100% unionized. That's the first goal of socialism is unionized labor or fascism, Mm. as you just said. There's really not a big difference. Fascism, socialism, it's really the same concept. It's it's really just a difference in how they enforce, you know, whose legs are they going to break? When they don't pay the 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 mafia right. boss, I was, or, yeah, I was right. say, I mean, that's, fascism is just a, a a higher degree of socialism. I, I the way I look at when because we really didn't know fascism until World War II with Germany, and then Italy became fascist. I mean, it, it, it it's that total lock down control over everybody and everything. I mean, the nothing gets done or said published built created spent without the government's approval i mean it, it's just well, right. everything yeah. right so that's different from i don't know if it's utopian socialism or socialism but uh, socialism is, is, is i like until like norway or sweden or denmark those kinds of countries where you know where it, everything ideally is done for the good and the benefit not the detriment of the citizens whereas fascism is is you know if this is socialism fascism is up here okay and and it's right it's probably shoulder to shoulder with communism <laughs> you know right. maybe not the way that karl marx originally envisioned it but <laughs> well you got to remember you got to remember i mean russia's an interesting topic you know russia never went full-blown communist they just went extreme socialist hmm. and that was such a destructive system Look at how many millions and millions of people died. You know, there, there was villages in the Russian Revolution. There was actually villages in uh, eastern Ukraine and western Russia that were so hungry that they turned to cannibalism. They ate yeah. their own babies and their own elderly people. And that's, you know, communism is technically a much safer system because of the type of control. And that was actually the problem with Russia is they if they would have gone communist instead of going so far socialist. And this is where I say that socialism and fascism, there's really no difference. It's just the way that it's enforced, but it's incredibly dangerous. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I've got two daughters in Germany and the older one is in medical school right now. She's going to the University of Dusseldorf to become a heart surgeon. And so she's going to spend eight years of her life in school just for the government to tell her how much she can and can't make. She's going to be in the upper bracket, but it's like, you know, why wouldn't you want to live in a society where you could determine your own wealth? You know what I mean? Instead of having the government tell you how much you can and can't make. And it's like, man, I, I think she's crazy for wanting to stay in Germany, but she does because that's her, you know, that's all she's ever known. And, and that's the problem. Like with Canada, especially, you know, I always joke that, you know, I, I, I wish America would do to Canada what Russia's doing to Ukraine right now. You know, we, we just kind of need to annex them and get rid of them. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is Canada is basically a worthless country, right? They don't really have a, I mean, seriously, they don't really do anything for the rest of the world. Their people have been so brainwashed over the last 50 years with this nanny state, you know, free healthcare and free college and all this kind of stuff. They have lost their drive 
Mm. You know, I mean, their entrepreneurial rate in Canada is only like 1% or something like that. I can't remember, but it's crazy. Mm. And, and wow. it's just like, man, <clears throat> this is what America is stepping closer and closer to is a socialist type of, uh, you know, call it quasi socialism, whatever, you know, like Norway and Sweden and all that stuff. But it's socialism nonetheless. And until people start realizing that they've got to get back to kind of the old fashioned stuff, you know, you know, a hundred years ago, people used to build their own houses. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind taking people's money to do jobs that they don't want to do, but I mean, I'll give you an example. Like right now I'm doing a job for a guy here in Oklahoma city. He's a pilot. He was an air force pilot. Good dude. Me and him are the same age. Almost. Uh, he's in his mid forties and I'm building a deck for him. And it's like, man, you know, I get it. He's got the money to do whatever he wants to do. He works for the FFA or FAA now. So he's, he's making a lot of money, but it's like, man, a hundred years ago, somebody wouldn't have hired a contractor to come and build their deck. They would have built it themselves. You know what I mean? It, does that make any sense at all? And, right. and that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is, is we've gotten so far away from being self-reliant that now we're expecting everybody to do everything for us. And it's just, it's, it's, it's getting out of hand. It's getting out of hand. Um, well, I agree. Uh, Dave, I was going to ask Dave, what's your take on, because uh, I get, when I argue with people that are on the socialist train uh, or, the, or that kind of thing, liberals, left, whatever, because I've had much with those guys in person, even uh, trying to argue the benefits of capitalism which is what America was, a capitalist country versus a socialist, the merits and the benefits. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, if if we are in a state where, um, can, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you, but uh, Scott, you were breaking up. Was that me or was that? No, I think Scott was breaking up a little. Was it uh, me? Okay. okay. Yes, yeah, so I, I wanted to make sure uh, I was good. Before I continue, so you know, and Ken's really talking about it quite a bit as far as you know. Um, do we really need the state to to step in and do everything for us? You know, um, so I'll give you a great example that's down here. You know, in Florida, I'm you know down here Fort Myers. All this behind me is Fort Myers Beach. It got destroyed. So. You know, people are saying, hey, you know, I need water, I need food and all these things. And I'm like, dude, Costco's right there. Costco's open. <laughs> Go in there and get your food. Go get your water, you know. I mean, literally, so two days after the hurricane came through, um, you know, though Costco was open. The, the yeah. other grocery store that you don't even need a membership for, because I think you need a membership for Costco, you could go in that grocery store and buy stuff. And it was full of stuff, full of food, water, you name it, you know. Water actually got, you know, taken pretty quick. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, you know, um, I need food and water and the government's not providing for, for me down here. I'm like, dude, you know, it's right there at the store. Go get it. Or, you know, hey, um, why aren't you stocked up for at least three days? Well, you know, that, living, that's my question. Yeah, we yeah. live in a hurricane place. You know, at least you should have food for three days. Right. Um, and you can't live without water for a couple of days. You know, I get it. You know, electricity. I We lived without food, oh, electricity and everything for three days here. But I'm just like, uh, people are such in a nanny 
sort of state of mind where they're thinking the government's got to take care of me right now. And I'm like, dude, um, you know, the, the, especially like the, the governor in the city here, you know, they had trucks lined up, you know, in parking lots ready to go as soon as this hurricane hit. And when, after that hurricane hit, they're rolling out the next day, cleaning things up. You know, the, the preparation that they had was, out, you know, just outstanding. It drives me insane when I see people in the news going, oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. I'm like, you know, <laughs> there's only so much that you can do. You're you're limited. But everybody's working as hard as they possibly can. The bottom line is, though, is if you wanted shelter, there was a shelter for you to go to. Hmm. If you wanted food, there was free food you can get. There was free water. Restaurants everywhere were giving away free food for anybody who wanted. Anything wow. you could ever imagine uh, was basically here for you if you needed it. So um, and if you think about a third world country, if something like this happened, that place would be devastated, you know, because they don't have the infrastructure that we have, the teams that we have to go and take care of them. So, um, but, I, you know, I believe that capitalism is what's going to um, ensure that you're not locked into a certain uh, strata of life and you can excel and exceed and, and do great things and grow. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't like a limit of, well, okay, I'm only going to make this amount of money, you know, every year for the rest of my life. That sucks. That's not the way I want to live. <laughs> yep. So what do you yep. think? Okay. Yeah. I, what do you think? Uh, I mean, this probably started a long time ago, but what, what you guys takes on what caused this? When did it start? When, when did we really see what you guys are talking about? The government stepping in, taking over, becoming big brother and everybody acquiescing, saying, oh, yeah, hey, this is pretty cool. Everything's taken care of for me. I don't got to worry about it now. Well, you got to look at the history. Every industrialized country has basically it goes through the same process. Right. You start up. Keep in mind, 100 years ago, this country was about 97 percent self-employed. Right. Mm. Because you didn't have mega corps. You didn't have Walmart. You know, Walmart's mm. the largest employer in the world. Right. Wow. And yeah, Walmart is the largest employer in the world. But 100 years ago, you didn't have that. So people were self-reliant. They had to be. They were they were farmers and they were blacksmiths and they were they actually had a trade that they survived on. Right. This is how civilization mm -hmm. existed for thousands and thousands of years. Right. When a country becomes industrialized, that process literally means that capitalism worked so well that you got, you got big companies that start sprouting up. And when people learn how much easier it is to just go and work for somebody else, you, you have mm. zero risk like that, right? right? Okay. You, 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 you're not even paying your own taxes. Your employer is paying it for you. Yeah. Right? And that, so it's right. That uh, was, it. I don't remember. They, they, I've heard this so many times now it was around the 20th century, but when, when industrialization the the uh the industrial era here in america when that began you you can still read the stories about all the people that left their farms to move to the cities to get these well-paying jobs and partake yep. in in all this new stuff um so maybe it started then i guess is it, maybe that's the start of it all um but yeah no i would agree uh because um i think we all know people that work for a company large small big what medium whatever that they're they're content. They're happy uh, because whether it's nine, five, whatever their shift is, five, six days a week, they they get these benefits. You know, and speak, you know, remember I was talking about I don't hire W-2s anymore because I used to, one of the first things out of the mouths was, well, do you have any benefits? 
<laughs> and I felt like I, and I was like, at first I wanted to say, yeah, working for me, but <laughs> you know, but then I, then I, uh, but uh, no. So I, I try to get serious and say, look, no, if you talk about medical benefits, no, there's no medical benefits. Um, but I mean, that, that's what people want. I mean, they want the vacation. I mean, I got a, a good buddy over, um, he's got residences both in Illinois and Montana, but he was an independent contractor for the longest time. And now he's working for a big oil company and he claims he really likes it. It's a sweet deal. This, that one thing, another, and he's talking about his three and four weeks vacation every year. And I'm like, wow, what happened to you, man? What changed? You know, oh, you know, to cross that line because I crossed that line, came over here and never looked back. I never want to work for somebody like that ever again. I don't mind working for people, but, um, you know, in an unfiltered voice, I, I don't want to be anybody's slave anymore. Um, you know, um, well, that that's exactly see, here's the thing that, that people don't understand. And I don't mean to bring psychology into this, but I can't help myself, obviously. But um, <laughs> being self-employed is it's a personality characteristic, right? I actually say that all the time. I can never work for somebody else. Um, and I had some pretty good jobs. I mean, especially after I got out of the army. I mean, I had some very, very good jobs, <laughs> high paying jobs, but I could not function. I, I just was not happy. And I'll tell you. It all comes down, it's the same type of personality, and people don't understand this. They, you know, Dave, I don't know if you remember that, that uh, Vetrepreneur group uh, that yeah. uh, I met you in, right? The group that I got kicked out of about a week after I joined. <laughs> but, well, because I'll tell you, the argument was is that, that every veteran can become a business owner. And that is absolutely false. We have genetic characteristics that we are born with. Our personalities are inherited. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to brag about, my oldest daughter is a genetic research scientist. She works for the University of Montana. And uh, she just finished her doctorate degree like two years ago, I want to say. And she just married an Army officer. She's a very successful young woman. Genetics is a very interesting thing, and there's not enough people out there that actually talk about this or understand it. But being a business owner, that is a personality characteristic, right? It's no different than being special forces or, or being a Marine. It, it requires a specific mindset hmm. to, to, be, to want to be better than everybody else out there and, and to not be afraid of taking those risks and to not be afraid of doing those things that normal people just wouldn't do. You know right. what I mean? And, and obviously there's, there's different levels of everything. Like I tell my story about how I failed uh, special forces school, right? I, I failed. I, I, you know, it was, one of the, it was one of the most devastating things of my life hmm. because at that time I wanted to be the best of the best. And I spent many years in a state of depression afterwards trying to find a way to basically pull myself out of my own, you know, despair. Hmm. And the way I found to do that was through entrepreneurialism, right? The hmm. way that I did the, the way that I found to, to kind of redeem my own self-worth was basically to be a badass in the, in, in the private sector, hmm. you know what I mean? And to do things above and beyond, you, you know, the, the, what the average person is willing to do. 
And we, we've got to remember this, that, that these personality characteristics, it's hereditary. It's passed down through our bloodline, hmm. right? And, and when, when I say that not everybody can be a business owner, right? Just, it's the same concept. Not everybody can be a Green Beret, right? Not everybody can be an officer. Not everybody, you know, there, there's specific groups of people that can do things that outshine everybody else around them. And that's what makes the world go round. It is us that is, you know, I, I don't want to use this lightly, but we are the special forces of the civilian world, mm. the business owners. And it's that simple. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that only 3% of the U.S. population serves in the military. Obviously, that fluctuates during wartime and peacetime and all that kind of stuff. But most people don't know this. There's only 3% of the U.S. population that is self-employed. Really? And not well, yeah, and not surprisingly, veterans do make excellent entrepreneurs because they already have some veterans, not all veterans. You know, I mean, here again, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who serve for you know whatever reason they're serving for. But veterans do make excellent entrepreneurs because they already have that drive, they already have that mindset, that genetic mm. hereditary mindset that they want to accomplish more and more and more. And and that's what I mean when I say when you have a society that loses that drive, it is, it is a hundred percent because of the industrialization, right? Third world countries don't have Walmart, so they still have to be self-reliant. It's, it's not by choice. It's by survival, right? That's how they survive is be, by being self-reliant. Hmm. When you, when you lose that necessity to be self-reliant when you, when you have life so easy that all you got to do is go work for somebody for eight hours a day and you get vacation and medical benefits and all that kind of stuff that takes away your entrepreneurial drive because nobody wants to take the risk anymore. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, it, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with all of it. What do you think about that, Dave? I mean, uh, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is I, out of anybody that I can get along with in, in the civilian world, if it's not a veteran, then it's a business owner. Hmm. And it is yep. because, you know, as a business owner, just like how he said, you know, they're special. They're people yep. who are dealing with numerous issues and problems and trying to solve those issues and problems on a daily basis. And if they're, if they're not doing it, they're getting washed out, they're getting kicked out, they're getting booted back to the regular civilian world, you know? Right. So those guys who are business owners that are out there striving, working every single day, you know, those guys, they're, they are special. And I think that those are the people who I really, really, you know, get along with uh, the best that's out there because, you know, they, they've got to drive. And, um, you know, I obviously can't be a special forces guy anymore, but I mean, so this is like the best thing uh, that gives me in a way, sort of that rush, that same mm -hmm feeling that I got when I was in SF. Interesting. You know, speaking of which, um, I, I want to, when, when you and I talked last week, um, I, I forgot we got, I got distracted, but I was going to, you made the comment that uh, you had considered when you got out of the army, you considered contracting, but you didn't. Yeah. Um, and for, for my benefit and anybody that's listening, do you remember the reason or reasons that went through your mind why you didn't do that path, why you didn't do the contracting thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing was, you know, um, I held off from having kids. I held off from getting married, you know, until I was 33 years old, you know, in the Army. 
Um, and I did that just because I knew that a, I wasn't mature probably enough to be married. Um, and then, you know, if I wanted to start a family, I wanted to make sure that they were financially secure. So I wanted to make sure I had enough rank making enough money to do it. Mm. And so I didn't start having kids until I was 18 years in the army. Um, and then, you know, I had my first son, um, I was in Afghanistan they gave me a call and said, you're going home, your wife's having a baby, you're going home for 10 days. And I was like, no, I'm staying right here. And they're like, nope, you're going. So I yeah, I jumped on a bird, uh, flew back home, and then I flew back to Afghanistan after. But and that, I spent six months of my life still in Afghanistan with my new baby being, you know, uh, growing. Um, with my wife, you know, single-handedly was taking care of that on her own. So um, by the time I got back, I realized, you know what, I wanted to raise my son. I wanted to be there for him. And, you know, I've already spent almost four years in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, I've had more close calls, you know, with death than I, I'd want to admit. So I, I wanted to, uh, when I retired, I told myself, you know what, I'm going to, um, I want to spend time with my family and, and raise my my kids. And, you know, the, the carrot was dangling in front of me, you know, hey, do you want to go do this? <laughs> you know, seven figures or six figures here, six figures there. Um, but it all boiled down to, uh, do I want to leave my kids and do I want to be part of their life? And I was, you know, all about, all right, I'm going to, I want to stay here and be with them. Wow. Now, but that was a process though. It was a process of time. It didn't, it wasn't an overnight thing, right? Um, yeah, it was, it? yeah, definitely a process of time because, you know, um, as you're, as, as I was looking at retiring, you know, I'm thinking what's next, what am I going to do? Um, I had some savings and things, but ultimately I knew that that was going to run out, hmm. you know? So, um, uh, in, in retirement for the military, it's not like it's a huge paycheck, you know, <laughs> um, you know, you get some great medical benefits. That's like socialism, socialized medicine as well. But, um, at, at the same time, uh, yeah, I had to figure out something to do. And I mean, really, I got started in business right after I retired. I mean, I just started doing things, you know? Hmm. Um, trying to find my, find my way out in the world. Okay. You know, I got, I got a speaking. Okay. So veterans and the ills of a, that, that are, that are, that are stricken America. And I know Ken will have plenty to say on this, but, uh, I have my own notions as to why we're in part in the problems that we're having now, because I've thought about this for a long time. It seems to me that the best representatives and best senators and best presidents we ever had were either veterans of the military or they were the, the children of somebody like that um, were for whatever reason they had a more solid footing and foundation for the respect and what it takes and why America is so special and, and over time we've seen fewer and fewer of those people serving as representatives and senators and 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 at the department level heads of these departments, the, you know, we don't have those people anymore there. And we hear a lot in the news, but, you know, haven't had an honest job in 40 years, hasn't had a real job in 30 years. You know, I'm just saying, you know, and uh, so I, um, <clears throat> and then all this equity, diversion and inclusions, diversity and inclusion stuff, I think they call it IDC, but uh, I mean, were they have, when you take Ilan Omar, for example, um, 
because she she seems to exemplify it the most. I mean, not that AOC doesn't, but when they're asked questions, direct, easy, simple questions, they're like, what, can you say that again? And then you can see them trying to think about it as they continue to move to the car and get in the car and close the door. It's like, <laughs> you're supposed to be a representative, you know? So, I mean, I'd love to hear you guys take on, on wh where, where you think we missed the mark and, and how we can fix it, aside from getting rid of all the rhinos and, and maybe abolishing the Democrat Party. <laughs> Dave, go ahead, man, because everybody, <laughs> yeah, this could take me a while. Go ahead, Dave. No, rephrase that question <laughs> one more time. What, what do you think is the magic elixir what is the answer what is the choice or choices the decisions we have to make and what's the process for fixing this problem at the congressional level because we the people are supposed to tell them what we want and they're supposed to be doing what we ask them to do okay they're, they they should be serving america not dictating to america so how do we fix this problem how do we get these undeserving representatives and senators out of office these people that are at the heads of these departments out of office and get people that cherish America, what it's for, its freedoms, its liberties, its rights, its privileges, and, and restore all that. How do we fix? What do we do? I mean, I think that's the million dollar question that everybody's asking, because the only way to really do what you're saying is declare martial law and get rid of all these people. I've, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I would yeah. advise anybody, give me a plan. Show me yeah. how are you going to fix what's going on today? Because the division is so strong. We're so divided. There's no come together. We're going to come and, you know, um, uh, negotiate on this. We're going to come together and sing songs together to fix this. Heck no. You know, these people, they, they want to get rid of us. Um, you know, so badly so that they can have their utopian, you know, communist society. Um, they are not looking to negotiate with us to to come together again. They are not. They want to get rid of us however they can. And they're if we let them, they're going to. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I think you said very succinctly um, everything that I've that I've tried I mean, to say. I, too. I would, yeah. I, yeah. I hate I hate saying that. I absolutely yeah. hate saying that. But to me, and I say this, you know, um, America uh, as a nation is no longer what we think America is. We're playing like it's still what it is, but it isn't. <laughs> it's it not. isn't. You know, and I mean, you know, if I just to get it, you know, you if know. we were to talk about the 2020 election, you know, if we were to talk about the riots that happened, if we were to talk about how how a party created a fake dossier to enable to get FISA warrants to spy on the sitting president of the United States. Think yeah. about how outlandish that sounds. Right. That's what happened. That's what they did. That is treason. And the fact that nobody's, you know, nothing's happened to any of these people. Right. I mean, look at the John Durham trial that just happened. You know, uh, what is his name? Dershenko, whatever. That guy just got off Scott yeah. free again. Yeah. You know, all they, what they did was so illegal. Why aren't the FISA judges up in arms going, you lied to me 
you lied to me to get to have me give you a FISA yeah. warrant. Why aren't they holding those people in contempt of court and putting them in jail? Why? Well, you know, that's an excellent point. I think doesn't that point to the the absolute overwhelming level of uh, corruption? I mean, it, it is infested and infected everybody. I mean, everybody's affected by it. Um, so yeah, we're so corrupt. It's it's yeah. too. It's almost impossible to fix. And I hate to just go to this level, but it, it, that's exactly where we're at in America right now. Right. And so we have to have a choice right now of deciding. You know, how are we going to live our lives? You know, um, uh, to deal with what's going on. Um, because one way or another, it one side or the other is going to go full authoritarian. It's going to be they're going to go full authoritarian and remove all of us, or we're going to have to do the same thing to you know uh, try and right this ship. Either way, one side is not going to be happy, and it's going to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Hmm. You know, this election that's coming up right here in November, I'll tell you what, this is a huge um, time because I'll tell you, if there's anybody that's going to vote to keep the status quo of what's going on in America, I mean, mm. you have to be absolutely insane. I mean, right. is there a plan right now to fix America? Is there a plan to fix inflation, supply issues, you know, to stop um, um, Russia, to stop China from taking Taiwan? There's no plans for any of this stuff whatsoever. Mm. And the longer that we go, the worse things are going to get. And there's no plan to fix any of this stuff whatsoever. So we're in we're in a world of hurt right now. You know that you know what you say is so succinct and so so spot on the topic there, because I have told many times that you know I hope you're right about the midterms and I hope you're right about the primaries two years from now. But here's the problem: I said, what if you're not? What if it doesn't solve or fix anything, okay? Or it doesn't solve or fix it enough? What are you going to do then? Now what? Okay. Well, I mean, and and so I think, Ken, you've said something about another coming revolution. I mean, I've heard people say that exactly kind of what you're hinting at, which is the only way we're going to fix this is to have another civil war, another revolution. Well, yeah, here's, here's the thing I'd like to keep people. First of all, Dave is 100% correct. We cannot vote our way out of this problem. Um, you know, I always joke, you know, the last time the Republicans ever did anything real was the last civil war, right? Ever since then, <laughs> see, here's, here, here's kind of my disagreement with the whole, with the whole conversation. It's always everybody kind of blaming the left. And I don't blame the left for the situation that we're in right now. I blame the right. Yes. I blame the right. I blame the right because they have sat back for the, at least the last hundred years. Let, let's go through the time frame again, right? So here again, America's problems really started with World War I and Woodrow Wilson. The Republicans sat around and did nothing when the 16th and 17th Amendments were passed. Republicans sat around and did nothing when... Uh, the Federal Reserve was created and, and Woodrow Wilson basically sent, you know, sold America to the Rothschilds, uh, you know, with the central banking system, got rid of the gold standard, that whole nine. The Republicans literally forced, they were responsible for prohibition, right? Most people don't know about prohibition. Prohibition was a feminist movement and Republicans are the ones 
who started coming down and saying, no, you can't drink alcohol. You can't do this. Right. Dudley do rights. That sent us into the great depression. Right. Then FDR comes in with his dictatorship and gets elected four times. Right. He, most people don't understand. FDR served four terms. Right. Okay. Yeah. Republicans. We had Japanese internment camps and the Republicans sat and did nothing. Okay, let's carry on up into the 1960s, right? Going through Vietnam. We get LBJ in, the, in, in office where he literally starts enacting, uh, what was his thing? The Great Society, right. right? The Great Society. Republicans are the ones who pushed for all the civil rights movements, you know, like, like, like the Equal Opportunity Act and all that kind of stuff. LBJ took credit for it. And to this day, you've got people who think that that was a Democrat uh, process, even though it was 100... There was not one Democrat who voted for the 1965 Civil Rights Act. It was 100% Republican. But yet LBJ took credit for it, and Republicans just stood around and let it happen, right? And same thing. I mean, we got, you know, we got Jimmy Carter, right? Let's, let's get back into the late 70s where, <laughs> where we, we had, there again, we had 40% inflation. We had, you know, 10-mile-long gas lines. Republicans just sat around and let it happen. You know, there again, I mean, here, my, my point is, is that Republicans are very, very good about talking tough, but they're never willing to act. And, you know, I, I, I compare this. We all have kids, right? We all know that when a little kid acts badly, you can't blame the kid. You have to figure out a way to discipline that kid so that he stops that behavior, right? If you enable that behavior, then it's your fault for that kid acting that way. And this is how I look at Democrats. Democrats are basically kids. Their brains aren't fully developed, right? <laughs> and they're basically kids. And when you enable bad behavior, they're just doing, here again, we're talking about genetics, right? We're talking about inherited personalities, right? Hereditary personalities. That's all a Democrat is. They're dumb because their ancestors were probably dumb too. But I mean this seriously when I say we enable their behavior by not putting our foot down and by not spanking them. And now we're at a, now we're at a point where they've gotten away with that behavior for so long that Dave is 100% right. Spanking them is no longer going to work. Now we, now we basically have to get the paddle out. And we have to stomp a mud hole right down the middle of their ass if we actually want to solve the problem. Hmm. And Dave's right. It's going to go one of two ways. Either we're going to win, we're going to decide. History is actually not on our side, with the exception of the American Civil War, right? The American Civil War is really about the only time in world history where a, a, a moral war was fought, right? I mean, you literally were fighting a war because one group of people thought that they could own other people, right? The other group of people was like, no, that's, you know, even though that's, you know, up for debate. But the point is, until we realize that we are the ones enabling this bad behavior by not putting our foot down and stopping it, until Americans, and, and I'm, I'm calling out every Republican out there, uh, this is not something that can be voted away. Hmm. This is something that is going to take extreme violence and a lot of people are going to have to probably get killed in the process. Um, I don't think it would be a very long war. I think that, uh, you know, everyone on the right owns guns and everyone on the left owns 
curling irons. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't think it would be a very difficult war. Um, here again, when you look at historical, at least in American wars, you know, the American Revolution was fought with 3% of the population, right? I mean, only 3% of the, of the colonial uh, uh, citizens, you know, George Washington and those guys, only 3% actually participated in the American Revolution. Everybody else reaped the rewards from their sacrifice. The Civil War, I, I think if I remember correctly, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Civil War was, I think about 17% of the total population participated in that, um, either directly or indirectly. I can't remember the, the exact number, but I think it was right around 17%. But still the same, the rest of society, the rest of America just kind of sat back and let it all happen. And that's really how I would see this going as well, hmm. where there would be a very small percentage of, you know, conservative, patriotic people. But I think the, the numbers on the other side would be much larger because we already know that Democrats are actually willing to fight. And you remember how everybody hated how mean Trump was, right? People tend to forget that Trump was a lifelong Democrat. So he knew how to fight. He's a fighter. Right. Mm -hmm. He fights the same way that Democrats fight. He calls them names. He does. You know, he's not afraid to be very vocal. And until Republicans and, and conservative people start to understand that same type of, of I guess you could call it warfare or, or, you know, combative, you know, until people on the right get it through their heads, they are going to have to physically fight. And. I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. I, I, I actually don't think that America is going to be saved. You know, throughout history, wars have been fought. Tyranny has been done. Brave people fight and smart people leave. Hmm. Right. That's literally how America was created, was people escaping the tyranny of the European religious dictatorships. Right. Hmm. So they were fleeing. The smart people left Europe and they came to America. And I can't lie. I mean, hi historically speaking, America has just about run its course. I mean, it, it, it's not it's, it's not that I wouldn't love to see America continue on being the greatest country in the world. I just think I don't personally see it happening um, because I don't think there's going to be enough people on the right who are going to be willing to fight. They're going to continue kicking the, the can down the road just like they've been doing for the last hundred years. I mean, literally, that's what Republicans have done. Um, and I, I think the best example of this as well you know, is, is we had Trump as president. We had the, <clears throat> the House and the Senate under Republican rule, and they still allowed this sham uh, <laughs> Russian collusion bull to keep on going yep. through despite yep. it was the Democrats. They didn't just allow it. They... Yep. I, I lost you for a second, Ken. Say it yeah. again. Oh, no, I said they didn't just allow it here again. They actually they were promoting it. I mean, there yeah. were Republican senators out there that were literally on the Democrat side yep. talking about they wouldn't have been able to impeach him if the Republicans wouldn't have been willing to go along with it. Yeah, right. right. And then if you if you look at like what happened when when COVID hit and everything and then the 
the tyrannical you know rules that a lot of these blue state governors especially were doing on their people those republicans in each of those states they allowed their businesses to get shut down forever they allowed you know hey you couldn't take your kids to the park you know you couldn't take your kids to the park outside you know all science was thrown out the door when when covid hit you know um you know, right down to the election, you know, all of a sudden in the, all the swing states, they decided magically, you know, never in the history has this ever happened to stop counting votes. They said, oh, it's, you know, too late in the night. We're going to go home for three or four hours. And then magically they all opened back up at the same exact time. And there was huge votes for Biden. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> there's so many things that, you know, people should have been like, dude, this is just, you know, it, it is this isn't. The way things are supposed to go and the coincidences on this are way too weird. Um, and to this day, people are like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see any problem. You know, seriously, man, you know, there were some serious things that happened, unprecedented things um, in the very key states that that yeah. needed to be um, that were, you know, crucial to whoever won. And so that's why I say, you know, in the, uh, in the next voting um, in November, if Democrats maintain um, the House and the Senate, then I believe that they have full control of the government, full control of everything, and they are not going to give it up for anything ever again. Right. Yep. Right. So, so what? Well, do you guys, I'll, do you guys? I'll, I'll even add to that, Scott. Hey, Scott. Can you come in? You're kind of broken. Well, well, Scott, I was. Can you hear me? You're just you're just broken up, like Dave was saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I would actually like to add to that, and I'll even say there was a lot of Republican governors that were playing that same game, right? I mean, lots yep. of Republican states got locked down too. Hell, hell, Florida, man! In the beginning of COVID, I actually blame Florida most of all because they locked down harder than anybody out there. They shut down the beaches, hmm. and man, it was like. Oh my goodness, I've got pictures of me driving through Atlanta with like the day or two after COVID, you know, came out and Georgia never locked down. Georgia was kind of like Florida. Those were probably the two best states. Well, Florida, they locked down a little bit, but I've got pictures of Atlanta where there was not one single car on the entire freeway driving through downtown Atlanta. Hmm. And it, it was it was the ghost town. Yeah. And, you know, Georgia's a red state. I mean, obviously Atlanta's not, but, you know, Georgia's a red state. And even though they never made any mandates, they still supported this lockdown nonsense and millions of businesses. Here again, I mean, tyranny only exists, you know, evil only exists when good men do nothing, right? right? And when you comply the way that everybody complied, uh, there's no way. And I, I keep telling everybody that was just a test run and we failed. America led the world, and yeah. we failed. The government knows exactly how people are going to react. You know, uh, who is it? I think uh, Boston University or Harvard or one of those people up there, Massachusetts State. Uh, they just created a coronavirus that has an 80% kill ratio, mortality right. ratio. Think about that. That's yeah. higher than Ebola. Okay, <laughs> Ebola's got... A, Ebola's only got like a like a sixty percent kill ratio or something like that. They just created a new a new Corona strain. Now think about this, you know, because I, I keep talking about this, and I I never understood why Trump was so big on pushing the vaccine. He's still doing it to this day. Mm. 
And then yesterday, Pfizer announces that they're going to up the vaccine shot from whatever, $20 to $135. And it's like, man, you know, when this all happened, I put a bunch of money into Pfizer and Moderna. I put a bunch of money into all of them. I did. (laughs) I can't lie. I put a bunch of money, even Johnson & Johnson. uh, I think my wife put like $2,500 on each one or something like that. And really, it got to a point where it was like, man, it really wasn't moving. But now I understand I should have kept all my money in it, but I pulled it all out like six months ago because it just wasn't moving. But it's about to, I'm telling you, it's about Mm. to. And the government knows how people react. And here again, when you got Republican governors that are doing the same type of madness as these blue states were, that to me tells, I call it WWF politics. I don't think there's an honest one of them out there. I really don't. I don't care which side they're on. I think they get bought and paid for by the same people. And, and here again, when we talk about politics, you know, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of friends that are politicians. I, I've got a lot of friends that are politicians. Um, I mean, just in my, just in my home Masonic lodge in uh, Decatur, Alabama, I mean, there's like three, three of my brothers in that lodge alone that are, you know, that are, you know, some sort of Senator or something like that. Um, I had an uncle who was a, a California state senator back in the late 70s and early 80s. So politics is something that I'm very familiar with. And I'm telling you, I don't think that there's an honest one out there. <laughs> I really don't. I think that they're all bought and paid for. You know, lobbyists and, and special interest groups and all these people. It doesn't matter what type of political system you have. The rich people pay for the, the you know, the rich people pay for the politicians. Right. And in, in Russia, you got your Russian oligarchs, you know, in Germany, you got your, you know, your Kaiser, whatever they're called. You know, I mean, you the rich people are the ones who control government. It doesn't matter. And, and this is where I say that America has gotten so far away from being a constitutional republic where we're supposed to be represented by these politicians. It's not that way anymore. And Scott, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said these people aren't working for us anymore. They're working for Bill Gates. They're working for Monsanto. You know, that, that's, that's who their controllers are. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody talks about Joe Biden doing this and Joe Biden doing Joe Biden doesn't make any decisions out there. I can promise <laughs> you that. I can promise you that he doesn't yeah. make a single decision out there. And that's I'm, a fact. I'm yeah, pretty sure. I mean, all you got to do is watch what he says or listen, if you can, when, on those well, rare occasions you know, when it makes any sense at all. Um, but I mean, why, why, I mean, I just, I mean, why, why would so many people just blindly accept what their government and, and what their experts tell them? I mean, just so blindly accept it. And then well, two years later, when they think they're going to fall off the cliff and lose everything, now they start to wake up and say, well, you know, but they still don't know what to do. You know? Yeah, I, yeah I, but the, the thing is, is we literally have a um, Department of Propaganda that influences everything that everybody's doing and distracting them from everything else. So, I mean, hmm. you know, they're rewarding people for making, you know, stupid TikTok videos, you know? Uh, <laughs> You can't get any truthful news from anybody, you know, and you got to remember this. They're constantly creating articles and things to put online so that once they get the time and or they get the full control, they can remove anything else. 
I'll, I'll guarantee this. If Democrats especially take over in November, you're going to see all the good things that DeSantis did here in Fort Myers. And all you're going to see is negative things about things that they didn't do here in Fort Myers for this hurricane. I mean, it's already I read articles all the time. And I'm like, these people aren't obviously aren't from here because this is absolutely not true, you know, about what's going on here. So you've got that. And then you've got social media, especially that's influencing and making sure that certain things are seen by people versus what the truth can be. And even if you do have the truth, they censor you, they kick you off. You know, they, you know, the reason why they don't want um, Musk to take over Twitter is because they control the minds of millions and millions of people Mm. just through Twitter alone. Mm. You know, they control it. And not only that, but they have, their bots that are fans that are, you know, they have their bots that are fans that are making other people look like, oh, look at, you know, three million people looked at this uh, video, and you know, there are a lot of bots that are looking at this that they're <laughs> making it look like they're doing that. You, as a conservative, you can advertise for on a platform like uh, Twitter, and you could be adver- advertising with nothing but bots, and you don't get any business out of it. Meanwhile, they're steering all the traffic to to. Uh, uh, liberals or you know um the, the communists so that they can succeed those things are all possible and it's you know absolutely possible to ha- to uh to steer things so we are constantly not being given the truth to a lot of different things and it takes people to dig and even when you dig you know you're going to find you know there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there you know like you know the i hear people say oh the military is not going to allow this to happen they're taking over they're in full control whatever dude the military has been taken over by the communists you know if you go to any military officer that's out there and say that general miley yeah yeah you ask any any officer in our military should a mentally ill person still serve in the military and you know what they're all gonna say oh yes absolutely i fully support mentally ill people uh in our military and you know it's absolutely true because if they don't do that they'll lose their careers they'll get booted out even if they said they disagree with mentally ill people serving and you know, who those mentally ill people are. Right. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you can't claim you're a cat, you know, but in, in, our, in our military today, you could claim you're a cat and still serve in the military. You know, it, it's just absolutely yeah. insane. So, so do you think it's gone too far? Do you think, do you think we're, we're not, cause you've already uh, hinted or stated, I think can't agree with it that, this isn't going to fix itself, even if there is that huge red wave. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that it can be fixed. The, the only way to do it is if someone was to step in and um, and, and declare, you know, martial law to, and take authoritarian rule and, and try and fix America. The problem is, is there's nobody that's here on the planet that can do that. Trump couldn't do it in the first place. So that's why, you know, hey, I, yep. I think he's great. But he couldn't do it the first time, and that's because the people that were all around him were not going to allow him to do it. So mm. he's not going to be able to do the second time because he's still got to try and find those people that are loyal to him, that aren't worried about their own selves, their own money, their own power. You know, he's not going to be mm. able to, to find the people to do that again. Who are you going to put? DeSantis? DeSantis isn't going to be able to do it either. How is he going to be able to compile a team that's going to stop you know, what's going to, what's going on? How's he going to stop the FBI, the CIA, everybody else from conspiring against him? I mean, if you think about, you know, they just raided Trump's um, Mar-a-Lago home, you know, someone, someone tell me what they found. 
You know, why yeah. isn't Trump uh, indicted? You know what? they Because there's nothing for them to, to get him with. They should have already mm. indicted him if he had something. Mm. So um, the, the fact of the matter is, is it would take nothing for them to plant something as well to say that, hey, we found this and, and now right. we're going to go after him because of that. You know, if they, if they made a fake dossier and had millions of dollars of investigations on him, what sort of stopped them from planning one simple document that would say, hey, uh, Trump ordered uh, insurrection on January 6th, right. you know? Um, but the fact of the matter is, is um, they still don't have anything on him, you know, to this day. Because right. otherwise right. they would they would stop him right now. But huh. um, so I, I don't see any means for anybody. You know, you know, the one person and it's crazy because um, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with Kerry Lake out of Arizona, right? Heard the name. Yeah. So Carrie yep. Lake running for Arizona. She's a she's a, you know, force of nature on herself, you know. My biggest thing with her, of course, is she doesn't have uh, executive level ex- of experience, I think, to manage a state. However, she's got the balls, you know, to stand up and fight. And maybe that's all that's needed. But we don't have anybody else really that's outside of Carrie Lake that's really going to stand up and be like, you know what, I'm going to clean house. Because I guarantee you, she's going to clean house in Arizona. Um, but we don't have anybody that'll do that at the national level at this time. And and yeah, I, I don't think that there's anybody in the military that's going to do. You could show a group of people in the military, you know, at the highest levels of the treason of what's going on, and they'll they still won't do anything about it. They'll be like, right. "Yep, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to ruin my career over this and take a hmm. chance that you know um, that, that you fail." It's just not going to happen. So, huh. um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, couple of weeks up to the election. So that that uh, begs my next question, which is, so the trickle-down theory, and I, I don't necessarily want to go into that. Do you think, conversely, based on what you just said about Kerry Lake, um, do, you, do you think there's a trickle-up theory that enough, that enough people locally could come up from a essentially a grassroots movement like that become the mayors and the governors of these states and get enough of them in enough states that they start could we see real change and then that percolate upward i think we're too far gone if you look at simple things like for example um uh what's his name they just in um they got him for contempt for he wasn't even at in washington for the january 6th event um Oh, uh, what the heck was his Steve name? Bannon. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Yeah, they just sent him, uh, you know, sent him to four months of jail. He wasn't even there. You know, that was wholly <laughs> done so that, you know, they can bring Trump in now and, and try and sentence him to jail for four months, too. But, wow. um, you know, he's a powerful guy. If you look at uh, Rush Limbaugh, you know, sure, he made a, a mistake up there, Um, um with, with that school shooting and everything and everything that he said, but now they're trying to sue him for like $3 trillion. Really? You know, all oh, you mean Alex he, Jones. Yeah. Alex Jones. Yeah. Alex Jones. Yeah. Wow. You said Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, sorry. Rush, <laughs> you know, God rest his soul. Rest in peace for us. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, Alex Jones, you know, three, $3 trillion are trying to sue him for why? Cause he's got a large audience and people are listening to him. Wow. You know, um, so anybody who's vocal, who people are are listening to, um, that have any sort of power, they're doing everything to crush them. And these are the people that we need to be able to um, 
to spread the word about things that are going on. Hmm. You know, and then hey, Scott. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. And, and I don't, I don't mean to throw conspiracy theories out there, but with, with Dave mentioning Alex Jones, uh, just out of curiosity, what would people, cause, cause you're asking kind of how people can be convinced, right? So here again, we're talking about psychology and, you know, mass formation, <laughs> right? My, uh, what, what would happen if all of this stuff is by design? Oh, I think it is. I think it is now. Well, how, I long do ago, I, I, how, how long ago it started? Um, I don't know um, what was, you know, what was the first so-called gunshot? I don't know, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm certain it's all by design. The question that a lot of us have is who's behind it. I mean, we think we know some of the well, players. I can tell you, no, but... I know I, I could, I could tell you exactly. People call me crazy when I tell this story, but I could tell you exactly how it happened. I mean, literally, I can give you a play-by-play of how this entire scenario has gone down according to my personal research and my personal beliefs, but people call me crazy. You know, Alex Jones, there's another reason why people don't like Alex Jones, and that's because he's so vocal about, like, Freemasons and stuff like that, right? And you and I were kind of talking about this the other day when you mentioned secret societies. Um, you know, I mean, I could literally tell you play by play how this all happened, but you guys would probably call me crazy. But what if this is all by design? Oh, like I said, I, I acknowledge I, I, I've thought for years, uh, probably shortly after Trump got elected that it's all been by design. Um, do you, know, do you know that Trump has, you know, did you know that Trump has attended every Bilderberg meeting since 1982? Really? Did you know that? Huh. Yeah. But Rush Limbaugh also attended a few of them too. So, I mean, that's not that big of a deal. Here's the thing. What, what if I told you that Trump was actually the leader of the American Illuminati? Really? Oh, I, I don't know that for sure. I'm not an Illuminati member, but as a Freemason, I can tell you that I've, notice things just through my life of, of, you know, being around those types of people and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, the history is actually pretty simple. I mean, let, let, let's look at a few things. So everybody knows that our founding fathers, most of them, or not most, but a good portion of them were Freemasons, right? Hmm. George Washington was a Freemason, uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, Paul Revere, right? So, so some of the key players we're Freemasons and most people don't know the history of Freemasonry and all this kind of stuff, but obviously it was, you know, started in Europe and, you know, it sends back. I personally, I am what's called a, a York Rite Mason, right? So I never did the Scottish Rite. I'm not a Shriner. Most people don't know that to be a Shriner, you have to be a Freemason, hmm. right? The Shrine is, is, the, is the Masonic hospitals, right? That takes care of kids. Um, and, you know, the history is, is, is it, it goes back a long time, right? I mean, we believe that, that Freemasons built King Solomon's temple, right? For those of us who, who are really deep into it, we even believe that Jesus was a Freemason 
Because in order to be a carpenter in those days, you would have had to belong to the stonemason guild. You would have had to have been one of them. Nobody else would have been allowed to, to be a, in, 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 the, in the trade like that. But anyway, <laughs> in, in the, I can't remember the exact year, but it was uh, 17, I want to say 1785. No, it was before that. It was before the American Revolution. It was 17, 1772. The original Rothschild, right? David, David Rothschild, if you know his history, right? He was a, he was a German Jew. And he created Deutsche Bank. He, he created the, the Bank of Germany. And then he moved to England and he created the Bank of London. And the Bank of London and, the, and Deutsche Bank to this day, are the same bank. It's the exact same bank. And every central bank in the world, to include America's central bank, is tied to Deutsche Bank. So anyway, in the, in the mid-1700s, David Rothschilds created the Bavarian Illuminati. And his leader of that group, their, their entire purpose was to infiltrate the Masonic lodges so that they could get the money that the Masons had from like Knight Templars and stuff like that. Okay. I know I'm getting a little Da Vinci code in there, but uh, there's a lot of truth in that movie, believe it or not. But here's the point. The point is, is that George Washington was a well-known Freemason. He's actually got most of his paintings where he's in his Masonic, you know, he's got his, his, his uh, apron and he's got, you know, Masonic emblems on him. He was a deeply religious and political man. George Washington was probably by far the most moral man on this planet. And think about this, Dave, you know this. The dude was 67 years old when he crossed the Delaware, and he was still that badass that he's (laughs) at 67 years old. There's actually documentation of him. They, They say that he was like the most masculine man that anybody had ever witnessed. I mean, that's just how huh. strong. And anyway, the Bavarian leader of, or, or, or the German leader of the Bavarian Illuminati was a guy named Baron von Steuben. Baron, Baron von Steuben, however you, however you want to say it. Baron von Steuben from Bavaria, Germany. So George Washington sent Benjamin Franklin over to Europe to meet other high people because they were getting ready to kick off the declaration of independence, right? The declaration, you know, the Boston tea party here again, all these things were actually configured in, in a Masonic lodge, you know, like in Pennsylvania and stuff. I mean, Benjamin Franklin was the grand master of the state of Pennsylvania. So anyway, Benjamin Franklin, he was kind of a liberal guy. He was, you know, people think that he was probably into like alchemy and stuff like that. People think he was, you know, I mean, he was, he was like, deep into the occult. Um, you know, he, he, he probably was uh, more on the pagan side. He wasn't really a Christian, I don't think. He was a Quaker, but he wasn't really, he wasn't really like a devout Christian like, like George Washington was. So anyway, Benjamin Franklin went to Europe, and he just happened to link up with this dude, Baron von Steuben. Now, if everybody remembers the American, and he brought, he brought Baron von Steuben back to America, not knowing he thought that Baron von Steuben was just another Freemason. He didn't know that Baron von Steuben was actually the leader of the Bavarian Illuminati that was literally sanctioned by David Rothschild. 
So anyway, Baron von Steuben came back to the States and automatically George Washington hated this guy. He did not like him at all. He didn't have a good feeling about him. He didn't, he didn't like even the way that he, you know, I mean, he spoke English, but he didn't like his overall demeanor. But Benjamin Franklin convinced him, he convinced George Washington to keep Baron von Steuben around. And that's what we call in Freemasonry, that's what we call the Illuminati infiltration. In American Freemasonry is when George Washington had to deal with Baron von Steuben and it messed up everything. It messed up all kinds of things. I mean, you know, you, you started getting different groups of, of Freemasons that were just bad people. You know what I mean? Just straight up bad people. Now, I've always asked people, you know, skip forward a couple hundred years. <laughs> First of all, Trump's dad, Trump Sr., had... Every last penny. I'm, I'm going to tell you all something. You cannot be a billionaire if you do not have connections to Deutsche Bank, to the Rothschilds. You cannot be a billionaire. I don't care if you're Bill Gates. I don't care if you're Mark Cuban. You cannot be a billionaire if you do not have connections to the Rothschilds. And this includes Trump. Look at where Trump got all of his money. He got it from Deutsche Bank, right? That was his primary lender. Mm. And I'm telling you, I've said this since at least 1992. Yeah, 92, right around the time that I went to my very first Lollapalooza there in uh, the Gorge in George. <laughs> Trump was probably groomed from a small child. And I can't prove this. This is just my own, you know, this is just me spouting off stuff here. But why would he name his son Baron? To me, he named his son Baron after Baron von Steuben, right? I, I mean, to me, I'm just trying to put two and two together here. I'm a simple man. I'm just trying to add two to two, right? I mean, it, it, to me, it, it, it just makes sense with some of the things that he's affiliated himself with and, and some of the, you know, I mean, I've been following Trump since I was a little kid, right? Remember when Obama said when he first got elected that everybody should strive to just like Trump. Isn't it amazing how everybody on the left, left loved Trump until he became a Republican? Right. Right. Well, I got it. It's, it's kind of how you mentioned Elon Musk. I got to I got to ask you then, because I've, I've thought about this a lot. Um, what if let's just take your argument and let's just say validate it for a moment and say that it is correct, because you might be onto something because I've thought for a long time what if people like trump musk and some of the other um outspoken people whether they're billionaires or millionaires or they're you know what whatever capacity they're serving in whatever industry or sector they're serving where they aren't siding with them or they are breaking from them or they're you know they're having little rifts going on what if those were the bad people that for whatever reason had a change of heart, okay, through whatever shared experience or whatever happened in their life, something changed them. They said, whoa, hey, you know, call it they woke, they had their wake up moment, whatever it is. So I'm just saying, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I think you might be onto something. Um, but what if people like Trump and, and others like him, Musk and the rest of them, just like, hey, you know what? We are one of you, but you guys are wrong. You're crooked. You're corrupt. You, you've gone too far. 
we need to we need to fix this. And because they're doing that, they're breaking from it. They're getting hammered. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's ahead, exactly Dave. what sort of happened with Trump is that, you know, he came in, you know, swinging a stick going, hey, you know, this has gone too far. I think we need to fix some of these things and, and discontinue doing some of these things. And I think that, you know, the powers that be were saying, no, you're not. We've got an agenda. Yeah. We've got a plan. Yeah. And we're not going to stop this. And when Trump was elected, it postponed their plans for four years and they wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be eight years, mm. you know, and that's why I think that, you know, uh, I think it was a, a worldwide effort to make sure that he was not reelected, uh, because if he was reelected, then you're looking at possibly Pence going uh, another eight years after that. So that so the the people that are controlling everything right now, they're all old. You know, they want to see their plans and their things happen, you know, during their lifetime before they die. You know, uh, they're they're not necessarily thinking, oh, my my kids and my, you know, fellow underlings are going to take over for me and see my my plans go through. They want to see some of this happen now because they don't trust necessarily that it's going to happen unless they are part of it. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, I, ju I just think that uh, I don't know, we're, we're in a mess and I, I don't see a means and I rack my brains, you know, thinking every single possibility that we can do to try and, and fix things to get them on, on track again. Um, but I, I just think we're just too far gone. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I in, in talks with other people, um, other guys, that when we talk about it, you know, I, I say, you know, I still hold out hope. I still have a glimmer of hope out there, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the the pragmatist in me, the, the, and the practical side. And, you know, that part of me, that's always marched to a different, the beat of a different drum. And, you know, because I, I, when we were talking earlier, I mean, you know, I've kind of, I'll listen to what the people have to say on, on either side of the fence, but, and I may not be able to articulate why I don't trust them or why I don't believe them, but I just know that there's something wrong going on. And, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 again, I hold out a glimmer of hope, but I think, I think this has gone so far. I think we'll get rid of some of these politicians. I think some of them, but they, they're not going to disappear. Fauci's not going to serve time or anybody like him, Schumer, Pelosi, none of those people are going to serve time. None of them are going to be run out of town. Okay. They're all just going to go work somewhere else, whether they're a paid consultant or whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, and if you look at how this globalization effort, I mean, things are so intertwined um, and, and, you know, the average consumer wants those low priced goods and you can't get them if they don't come from China. Right. So I'm just saying that, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I sometimes <laughs> I joke with guys. I say that's why I took back to drinking. <laughs> I just don't see any hope, man. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's you know, and I remember people back in the eighties uh, when we were talking about that's why I don't want to have kids. You know, we were talking about you know, and of course they were talking about it back in the seventies and sixties too, but. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, you know, it's, I just, 
you know, we used to call it subliminal advertising back in when I was growing up as a child. I remember, I don't remember if I heard that in the late 60s or early 70s when I first heard it, subliminal advertising. Now we call it things like, you know, propaganda and gaslighting. You know, I had an argument with a guy who said gaslighting is not just being lied to. Yeah, you are being lied to, but it's a concerted effort. It's a psychological operation, basically. You're being gaslit. Watch the movie, read the book, whatever. <laughs> you know, um, and and it's 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 beyond sadly pathetic that entities and our own government, intelligence agencies, and others would be acting in their own self-interest to the point that they're actually hurting America. They're destroying America. They're part of it. And, um, you know, just like, you know, people give private security contractors a bad rap and some of it's well-deserved, but you got stuff going on down just south of the border, down there in Mexico, where contractors from around the world, including America, are going down there and providing instruction and training and all the other advice and consultation. It's, you know, it's like, don't we have any sense of morality? You know, don't we have a center? <laughs> I mean, have we lost? I just, I don't know. Sometimes I think, yeah, all hope is lost. Um, well, keep in mind, again, this is not the worst time in American history. This is not the worst time in world history by far. You got to remember the world suffered through almost a thousand years of the dark ages, right? Remember where you didn't yeah. know if you were going to be alive. I mean, think of, think of yeah. Eastern Europe when Genghis Khan swept through and just raped and pillaged his way. You know, most people don't even know where the word slave comes from. You know that it comes from, from Slav, right? Slavic. Okay. Yeah. And it came from Genghis Khan literally enslaving half of Europe and then killing them and raping them. You know what I mean? And sometimes not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I mean, they, but, but I mean, seriously, the world has seen much darker times than this. You know, the crusades, uh, the yeah. Renaissance, you know, the yeah. witch burnings. No, no, no. I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. And, and that's lost on me. And it's not like I'm in, in a moment of despair. I, it's not like I'm all gloomy and doom and gloom and stuff. It's just that it, it's sad because, you know, even the three of us growing up, I mean, even in my 20s and 30s, even in my 40s, I didn't see, I never thought anything like this would ever happen, you know? And I think we've talked before, you know, where we're talking, and this came up to me when you talk about Illuminati. I still remember, and other people do too, uh, those speeches that George Bush Sr. gave, the one in particular where uh, people realized he was talking about the Illuminati, the figures on right. the dollar bill, for example, and the thousand points of light and kinder, gentler nation. And this was right on the heels of coming out of the Reagan era. And we we're like, and people were, what is he talking about? So, yeah, I think there is a very deep, dark, sinister uh, group of people out there that have some wicked design and agenda. Um and, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes I understand why people get distracted and why they want to watch Hollywood heroes save the day, you know, the Superman or now the big thing is the anti-hero, you know, whatever. I understand why people want to get distracted, come home and just watch TV and forget about the rest of the world because they're like, what can I do? Well, you know, and I've wondered sometimes like, 
I think Dave, you've mentioned like uh, chambers of commerce, but just, you know, getting out instead of people talking on the phone or doing zoom meetings all the time, go like we used to do, go down to uh, your community lodge on a Friday or Saturday night and make a thing out of it, you know, where people go and you actually can talk amongst other people about the things that you're hearing, seeing, and reading. And amazingly, you might find out that you're not alone in this struggle. You're not alone in this fight. Other people feel the same way. And so collectively, you realize that it's larger than you realize, you know, that my greater neighborhood, that a lot of these people feel and think the same way. Now, they may not think exactly like me. They, you know, they don't agree with all the conservative Republican stuff, but they do. They are now a lot of them. And we're seeing and reading it in the media that a lot of them are saying, hey, you know, this has gone a little too far. This is a little too much. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, uh, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, what me and some of these guys have done with this group that we did on this encrypted app where, you know, we're saying, you know what? Screw all these security companies out there, big, large, small, multinational, whatever. They don't care about us. They don't care about anything, but raking, pro I mean, huge, obscene profits. Okay. And I'm one of those guys. I've always said, I'm not greedy. I want my fair share. Okay. I mean, if I got rich, okay, I wouldn't complain, but we're, we're saying, let's help ourselves. Let's serve ourselves. You know, let's come together as as a group of like-minded individuals regardless you know of all the other stuff that we talk about on the periphery that has nothing to do with security but let's help ourselves because they're not they don't care so i guess that's kind of what i'm trying to say is that maybe we as a people need to use that same tactic okay um and come to get and realize that we're not alone that there's other people out there that are just like us they want the same thing Okay. And if the police can't help us, we'll help ourselves. We'll go back to the days of vigilantism if we have to. You know, why don't we go to the mayor's house or the governor's mansion and literally run them out of office? Because unlike you were saying earlier, we're not the Democrats. Okay. We 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 chicken out. We chicken out. I remember about a year ago when this scam demic was still full on. And they were going to have a rally downtown in my in the city that I'm outside of. And there was going to be over a thousand participants. Okay. Rumor had it was going to be thousands. And they were going to rally up and do a, a peaceful protest march down the main drag. The mayor put the kibosh on it. Okay. That the police would be there, that the governor said, we can't do it. You're not going to do it. Yada, yada, yada. And what happened? No rally, no protest. Hardly anybody showed up. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly what you should have done. What are they going to do? Okay. But that's what I'm saying. That's what we need to do. We need to realize that the only way we're going to fix any of this is for us to come together collectively as a group and stand up and fight with the same TTPs that they've been doing for six or eight years. Okay. The only way we're going to fix it. Um, the oh, system is the system is broke. It's beyond rigged, and it is rigged, but it's broke. I mean, have I said anything crazy yet? <laughs> no, 
No, but that's exactly here again, going back to socialism and, and, you know, mass psychosis, you know, mass formation psychosis and stuff like that. That's precisely why they have the police is to protect those people. Police aren't there to protect and serve. They're there to protect and serve certain people. And, right. and that's the danger of having a federal law enforcement agency that thinks they're a paramilitary. That's the danger of having a state level police force that thinks they're a paramilitary. And, you know, I mean, this is why county sheriffs are actually elected instead of appointed. Most people don't right. realize that the county sheriff holds more power than any other law enforcement officer in the state. And that's, that's why they're elected. And if right. they don't do a good job, we're supposed to be able to unelect them or impeach them or whatever process we want to take. Same thing with the mayor. I mean, if they're not doing a good job, we have impeachment powers. But to your point, people have always been afraid of ruffling feathers, right? I mean, let, 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 let's, look at, let, let's look at a time period in history, and I, I don't mean to keep talking about history stuff, but let's look at, at like the creation of the KKK, right? Why didn't good people stand up against that and say, no, man, you're not going to you're not going to be out there terrorizing some poor little black kids. Right. Why didn't good people stand up again? And that's what I mean when I say that evil only prevails when good men do nothing. And unfortunately, good men typically do nothing. Right. Good men typically do nothing. And you got to look at the at the balance of good and evil. It's existed since, you know, I mean, look at look at biblical you know, so Cain killed Abel. That, that is evil against good, right? And it's very, very rare. It's usually only with the threat of extreme violence that good people will actually stand up to defend themselves. And even then, sometimes they won't. Here again, I, I, I referenced the Russian Revolution, right, where a bunch of good people... You know, Russia was so depleted after World War One, they could barely even stand. They got their asses handed to them. And so they were already so tore up. But there was a lot of good people who said, kind of like what's going on in Canada right now, right? People are just literally giving up their rights. They're not even willing to fight because they're saying, oh, you know, I can, I can survive. You know, it's, it, it's not that big of a deal. They don't understand that when you erode freedom little piece by little piece and this all goes back to psyops right you know adolf hitler was a master strategist he may not have been much of anything else but he was a master strategist and the thing that he was best at was propaganda he he was so good at making people believe you got to remember in the 1920s if you weren't a jewish person you couldn't work in germany most Americans don't know that, right? Most Americans think that, you know, Hitler just was a little crazy and that he didn't like Jews. Hitler was half Jewish. His mom was an Austrian Jew, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what's out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is, is that he, he promised the German people that he was going to bring back their economy because at, in those days, if you weren't Jewish, the Jews owed they owned every single building in Germany, every single business. Jewish people are smart, man. People think, you know, Hasidic Jews have the highest IQ in the world. Mm. Most people don't realize that. Out of any group of people, Hasidic Jews actually have the highest IQ, right? 
the propaganda, I mean, whether you think that he did the right thing or the wrong thing, whether you think that he was the most evil person on earth or not, the dude knew how to use propaganda. He knew how to use mass psychosis to control an entire country. There was good people who did absolutely nothing. Right. There was good people who literally stood by and watched it happen because they didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Right. Now I'll tell you on a, on a, on a personal, you know, like when we talk about business or talk about friendships or anything like that, we are who we associate with. Right. So if, so if, you want to be a good person. If you want to be a rich person, right. You hang out with good, rich people, right. Uh, Dave, I'm sure you can attest to this. I mean, like when you started getting interested in special forces, you probably started hanging around, hanging around other guys who were probably interested in special forces. Right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, my career, you know, I started out as an airborne ranger. So, I mean, I was already, you know, into that world, you know, in a way. So, right. But that's what I mean. Uh, you know, hmm. we are who we associate with. So you always want to be around like-minded people, right? Birds of a feather flock together. But right. I'll tell you, I actually coined I, I actually coined this phrase this morning. I thought about it. There's an old African proverb that says, the sheep spends his entire life fearing the wolf just to be eaten by the shepherd. So... <laughs> I expanded that. I, I did this this morning. I actually put it on Twitter. So I say the sheep spends his entire life fearing the wolf only to be eaten by the shepherd. The shepherd spends his entire life keeping the sheep afraid of the wolf so that he can eat. The hmm. wolf doesn't give a fuck because he's a wolf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, right. so it's important for us to be the wolf. Don't be the sheep and don't be the shepherd. <clears throat> don't, don't, don't let your life be ruled by fear. Don't right. let your life be ruled by greed. Do what you love to do. Be yourself. And don't worry what anybody else thinks about you. You know what I mean? And if you can yeah. find like-minded people that have that same mentality, I can promise you'll be safe. You will succeed. And when you are around good people, you will become good yourself. It's, it's, it's really that. So that's the whole concept with religion. Right. That's what religion is. You know, it, it, it's a group of like minded people because there's power in numbers. Right. That's, yeah. uh, you know, we know this from military force. We know this. And it's the same way in life. There's power in numbers. Use it. Be the wolf. Don't be the shepherd where you're lying to the sheep <laughs> because you're hungry. Don't be the sheep where you're afraid of the wolf because you're going to get eaten by the shepherd. Right. <laughs> Which, and, is, and, which, which is funny that's because that's, it, it's, that's what's happening right now. Are, yep. I mean, aren't we being eaten by the shepherd? Which, which begs the next question I was going to ask is, so if we got Canada with Trudeau locking down now on his tyrannical order about firearms, and if, and if the citizenry came to that whole debacle with the truckers movement, they're not going to do anything about this, nothing really. And then we've got all these cartels and corrupt government in mexico to the south of us i mean with the state of decay and turmoil here in america we're kind of like in a shit sandwich aren't we <laughs> i mean aren't we kind of screwed <laughs> well yeah yeah 
Oh man. You know, here again, the shepherd, you know, technically the shepherd, we, we could, we, we could consider the government as the shepherd, right? Yeah. They're supposed to be there to protect us. But in the end of the day, they're the ones that are eating us alive because there's so many sheep out there that are following them. Right. And this is why I say when it comes to, you know, when it comes to tyranny, the only way to beat it is to not comply. You've got to be the wolf. You've got to not worry about what anybody else is saying. You've got to not worry about what everybody, when, when the sheep start running off the cliff, don't be the sheep that follows them. You know what I mean? Be the wolf right. that's chasing them. Um, right. and, and that's really kind of the philosophy behind all of it. So, right. you know, I, I think this is why it's so important in my mind for simple podcasts like this. You know, you talk about getting information out to people most people are so glued to their TVs. They're so glued to watching their NFL and they're so glued to, you know, going to Disneyland once a year, buying their Starbucks. They don't even understand the things that they are literally supporting, let alone the, the ideology that they're supposed to have, you know, based off of their own free will. Right. And it's very sad, but this is why it's important to get messages like this out there. This is why it's important to, to network and to be, on each other's podcasts and stuff. I might only have a hundred subscribers right now, but someday I'm going to have a million and Dave's going to help me out with that. But (laughs) (laughs) the point is, is is that don't ever give up preaching a good message. Don't ever give up trying to wake people up. Don't ever give up trying to, trying to be the voice of of reason and being the voice of, of bravery and courage. People are going to laugh at you. People are going to call you names. I get called names every single day. I get death threats, mm. you know, especially on my views about women and masculinity, right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm a chauvinist and I'm a, you know, I'm a misogynist and all this, you know, I made the episode, why is it okay for women to hate men, but it's not okay for men to hate women, right? right. <laughs> but I get death threats over this stuff and you cannot be afraid of, of pushing your message out there. You just got to keep going. Keep believing because here again, this is a mindset. It's a genetic characteristic that is vanishing. It's vanishing. Mm. And you've got, you have a responsibility to keep that, that, that mindset alive. We all do. We all have that responsibility. So I think you're doing a great job. I love your podcast. Um, You know, and there's no doubt that, uh, you know, Dave, you're, you're, you know, I'll, I'll, me and Dave have had disagreements. We've had arguments on Facebook and stuff, hmm. right? But that doesn't mean that I don't that I don't truly respect everything about him. Okay, and that's the thing. We've become such a PC sensitive society that people can't even have healthy debates anymore. Right. And, and that's sad. I mean, that's really sad. So it takes somebody with some balls. It takes somebody with some courage to sit back and say, "Nah, fuck that shit." I'm not, I'm not playing that game. You know what I mean? And this is, this is kind of the point that I've gotten to. I mean, they can come and arrest me. They can, we can do a Ruby Ridge all day long if they want to. I'm fine with that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to comply anymore. I'm not going to play their game anymore. I'm not going to follow their narrative. I'm not going to pay taxes. Um, I mean, I could, you know, maybe when we get offline or something, maybe, you know, when we stop recording, maybe I can tell you guys a few things that I'm working on. But I'll tell you, I, I keep putting the message out there. Like-minded people, that includes belonging to militias. 
you know, look at the Second Amendment. If you, if you guys have the Second Amendment in front of you real quick. Well, regulated. There's two militia. elements. Exactly. There's two yeah. elements to it that most people never take into consideration. Only one of the elements is, is our, our freedom to have firearms. The other freedom, the other responsibility that we have is to have well-regulated militias. Right. right. We need guys like Dave. We need guys like you, guys that have combat experience. There again, guys that have special training. Right. We need guys like that to be leading these organized militias. You know, it's illegal in every state in this country to have a militia. Did you know that? Is it really? Every state in this country. Yep. Every state in the. And, wow. and so that alone goes against the Second Amendment. Wow. Well, here again, yeah, yeah, people can either choose to comply or they can choose to stand up and say, nah, fuck that. Well, yeah, no, I think that goes back to uh, some of the stuff we talked about earlier, where the people in charge, the people in power, they don't want to lose that power. They don't want to lose that control. And anything that that might that might hinder their constant collection of new powers and control, i.e. the sheriff or militias or small businesses, I think you're right. It's, it's a threat and it is a system. And, you know, oftentimes it, it reflect, you know, they say that what was the, uh, it used to be that art imitates life. You know, that's what we used to say. Right. I think life anymore. I think it's pretty obvious to some of us that life is now imitating art. It's like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I do the, um, occasional gaming thing um online it's usually um uh i'll just say it gears of war but uh you know i'm playing with some people and it's like and i see it every time i mean once in a while there's a break and you actually get a bunch of random people we all come together and we actually work as a team and we do a great job i mean everything you know everybody helps each other out but most of the time all the tactics and the techniques and the procedures that it's like <laughs> No wonder everybody's dying and we're always losing, <laughs> you know, where did you people learn this? You know, and I've had a few, not many, but a few conversations with them, trying to get them to understand things, you know, just this it's, it's like just simple basics. And, and Dave, you can probably test this. I mean, you know, when I talk to my boys or people out there in the community about just simple things like firearms, instruction and training, I said, it's master the basics. Same thing in high school sports. You're not going to be a football star or a wrestling star if you don't first master the fundamentals. you got to master the basics. I remember my coaches say that all the time, whether it was baseball or football or wrestling. you got to master the basics, and that's what we would do. Every day we turned out for practice, we went through the basics until we could do it in our sleep. Okay, so um, – yeah, I, I, I think there's just, but there's so, I mean, the word inundate and overwhelmed almost doesn't even describe just the mass amount of, of misinformation that's being thrown out there in these years, in the past five to 10 years. And whether, as, as some argue, it was the inception of the smartphone that started all this, I don't know. But I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, you're driving or you're walking, shopping, what's almost everybody doing? Answering a phone call, talking on the phone, text messaging, doing something. It's like nobody's paying attention anymore. I mean, it's like we're all asleep at the wheel. It's no wonder we're getting run over, <laughs> you know? 
and we're being bounced around like ping pong balls. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, but um, yeah, I think people need just need to take some me time, take a break from all this stuff, and just just read between the lines. You know, I mean, all this psychology that we talked about, whether it's an intelligence agency or a school board or a marketing firm, I mean, they figured this stuff out over a hundred years ago. They may have refined some of it. They may have improved some on it, but the basics of, of what we used to call mind bending or brainwashing hasn't really changed. You know, you guys have to expose them enough, frequently enough, that they start to believe it. Right? I mean, uh, it takes a strong, doesn't it? It takes a strong, focused, disciplined mind to not succumb to what you know is not right. I mean, I used to see that overseas as a contract all the time. It's like, what are you doing, man? You know, um, I don't know if you saw that, Dave, with your time in the army. But I mean, uh, whether it was with military people or contractors, but I mean, I was like, I, I was almost never, almost never did a day go by where I wasn't like, <laughs> where do they get this stuff from? You know, and you could sometimes see. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> Some of that's pretty simple, though. I mean, because you're looking at, you know, is it illegal? Is it immoral? Is it unethical? And I think most people have, you know, those things down. And that's where they'll, once you start deviating from those things, then you know that, okay, something is definitely not right, you know? Um, and I think that um, that is what is missing today is even though they know it's illegal, they will still do it and then say, well, you know, we'll let the Supreme Court, you know, uh, figure out if it's illegal or not when it's already illegal. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> that that's that seems to be the the way of politicians these days. I'm going to do whatever I want, and if the courts say I can't do it five years from now, so be it. Right. Damage is done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you. Know, I think, but I think because you, you said three things: ethical, moral, and legal. And I think the ethics and the morals is what a lot of us are missing out on. Now, what a lot of us means in terms of a percentage, I don't know. But, I mean, um, some of us, I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, in a, in a religious-type family. My grandparents, my aunts and my uncles and everything. Um, but, and so, I think most people know when they're being ethical. I think most people know when they're being moral or unethical or immoral but they've been convinced by society as a whole that it's okay to be immoral or unethical as long as it benefits you. Because how many times did I hear overseas, you know, it's all about me, you know, and I'd say, no, it's not all about you, but I mean, but that's the, that's the thinking. It's all about me, you know, because they're not going to give it to me. So if they're not going to give it to me, I got to go take it, you know? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with being focused and driven. That's, that's a good thing, but you got to understand when that focus and that drive has gone kilter <laughs> when it, when you're off the rails a little bit, you need to get back on. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, um, you know, I, I, I used to talk about the zombie apocalypse and, and, uh, and people would, and I said, no, I don't mean truly zombies. I said, maybe, you know, Maybe we'll have a version of the T virus. Maybe it's this monkeypox. Maybe it's this new thing that this college came up with that has an 80% kill rate. I don't know. 
I'm just saying where things get so, so out of hand that, that we deteriorate to some of those dark sci-fi movies type scenarios that we've seen where everybody's just running around quite literally just, if you're not at the very top with all the billionaires or you're not one of their flunkies that they're paying to do stuff for them, you're the rest of us down there on the ground scrounging and scraping for everything that you have. Um, and I, you know, I think most people don't realize just how difficult of a challenge that will be. Um, I don't think most people, um, are ready for that, you know? So anyway, with that guys, I've, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shot. (laughs) Um, I mean, we, you know, we could go on and talk more and, and we'll probably will again at an, at another point in time. Right. But unless you guys got anything else, man, I'm, I'm kind of like shot. <laughs> well, right, yeah, so you know, I, I yeah, I, I, I would like to do this regularly. I mean, if you guys are down, I'd like to do this at least once a month. Dave, I think the last time I talked to you was like eight months ago, man. It's been way too long. Yeah. Um, time flies. I'll tell you that. It does. Yeah. Well, it does. And, and yeah, here, I'm, here again, I'm down for it. If you guys are. Absolutely. I am too. I mean, and realistically, we could do it even more often than that. You know, I mean, there's lots of things going on. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good time. And, you know, I think it's good that, you know, people are able to sit down and just, you know, uh, discuss some of the things, how they feel about things, you know, and maybe some people will like it. Maybe some people won't. Maybe some people will think it's, you know, a conspiracy theory. But, <laughs> you know, I like I like to think that we're pretty well grounded, you know, and, and do as much research as we can with everything we do. So. Yeah, you know, let's uh, we'll sit down and come up with some subjects we can talk about. Awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I look forward to it. So again, for everybody that's listening, again, I'm Scott Dresser with Oconus, the Contractor's Life. David. All right. Good to uh, Ken. Good to talk to y'all. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's been real. This was a great discussion. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to doing many more. Awesome. You guys have a great weekend. Oconus the Contractor's Life extends a special thank you to music composer Kava Cohen and to Colin Perry of Ninja Tracks for allowing Oconus the Contractor's Life the use of Kava's song Heavy Clutch from the music soundtrack to the game Forza Motorsport 7. And also a big thank you to Andres Rodriguez who can be found at the Fiverr website for his excellent original music scores.